Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. This is Pastor Alex. I'm back at it once again with another new episode. And uh, this is the middle of June as I record these, as I just actually did Amos' intro, which aired oh, probably a number of weeks earlier than this one. And uh, I, I do this because uh, my patrons get these episodes much quicker then they then they go to the public and more so importantly they get this particular series on the sacraments because it is something that is near and dear to my heart and so it's something we've been working on for a considerable amount of time and they have had access to them for a number of weeks two months or more ahead of time because some of these were recorded back in march uh, as they are now airing in uh, may and june here so i think we will continue if I if I remember correctly, it'll be the middle of July by the time this will actually air. So I'm about a month ahead on these, which is fantastic. And uh, so we're changing topics now uh, in the sacrament series. We've we've uh, I don't want to say we've beaten the horse, but we've exhausted we we've we've exhausted the horse. Um, but that doesn't mean we've exhausted scripture, and it doesn't mean that we have exhausted our understanding of how this works. And so those will always be something that we will come to understand as we continue to work through the doctrine at hand. Uh, so what we're going to get into today is going to look at the Lord's Supper. And this is going to be uh, as articulated in Matthew uh, chapter 26 with the institution of the Lord's Supper. And this is we're going to kind of touch base on just a few uh, pieces today because we want to uh, kind of not necessarily do an introductory episode on on uh, this particular topic because we've kind of already done quite a bit of introductory on on the sacraments um, but we do I do want to highlight and reiterate the premise of the sacrament 
of the Lord's Supper being a sacrament, even though, again, as we've noticed with baptism, it's uh, Luther will acknowledge it as an ordinance, but it is more because it's a command given by God and not that it's just merely an ordinance, one that we follow through with, but it's uh, an ordinance that's containing a promise and that promise is the forgiveness of sins. And uh, I know a lot of people on the internets like to uh, argue with me and, you know, many of these people are, you know, uh, of the reformed faith or they're of the Calvinistic faith and they, they just balk at the idea that a promise could be wrapped up in these sacraments. And, and it's funny because I put a, a note out on somebody and I actually mentioned this in an episode a while back, but I put a note out to somebody. I was like, you know, it's funny how the reformed will, uh, you know, be the first to say, Hey, the skies will shatter open and Jesus will return. Uh, but he can't be present in the bread and wine. And he certainly doesn't deliver us during baptism. I'm like, okay, so we can believe one radical unexplainable thing. Uh, we would also believe the virgin birth, the resurrection. <laughs> it's like how in the, how many things in the Christian faith are just merely uh, hard to understand if you are not a Christian. If you just look at it from the outside, th- our entire faith is wrapped in things that are just impossible. From creation to the end, Christianity is an impossible religion. And so why can't God come to us in means? Because he does. He demonstrates it throughout scripture. And we did that pretty extensively understanding it in uh the baptism series, but we also see how God demonstrates uh, through Jesus Christ walking the earth. And for instance, I think my most favorite one is when Jesus spits into the mud and wipes that muddy spit into a blind man to cure the blind man. And so God is using Jesus is using in this instance, a means, which is the mud in his spit to uh, heal and save a person. And notice anytime we come across the particular passage that is healing, uh, there's always the, uh, assurance of the forgiveness of sins wrapped in that. There's always a promise in everything that Jesus does. And I think that's the beautiful way to examine scripture. And so, uh, with that, you know, we, we're going to kind of spearhead into, um, this new, escapade, if you would. I I don't really have it quite mapped out in my mind yet. Um, I, and I really didn't have it mapped out with baptism either. I mean, I had ideas, you know, when we first got to it, I wanted to hit the scriptures and then we looked at the early church fathers and then we, you know, went through, uh, you know, Q and A's and the book of Concord and we did, you know, different views and all that. So we did a whole bunch of work um, so we're going to probably try and mirror some of that into this series. So we'll do a little bit of scripture. We'll look at a little bit of the early church fathers, and then we'll look at what the book of Concord says, and that will include Luther's large and small catechism. Uh, that'll include, um, you know, the Augsburg confession, the, the, uh, apology to the confession, the formula of Concord, all of those things, small called articles. We'll go through all of it and we'll look at all the, the, the notes on the Lord's Supper and, and some of it will be repetitive and, uh, and, and that's fine. In fact, actually, uh, in my sermon series in church, I just finished preaching a couple of weeks on the Lord's Supper and you can go find those out on YouTube. But, uh, I spent, uh, one night trying to 
wrap my head around Luther's large catechism and read all like 90 lines of his Lord's Supper just to really find a means to which it's, you know, you can convey that to your church congregation. And Luther has a lot of content that he delivers in that. So we're going to examine through some of that and we're going to, we're going to take the opportunity to uh, work through and explain some of it. Uh, and then we're going to look at, uh, you know, the big rift that comes from this. And we'll probably spend a little bit of time on that actually today, uh, looking at this division that is in the Lord's Supper. And that's mostly focused around uh, the, the, the Protestant movement at large, which I will include in this category, let's say the Reformed, the Calvinist, the Baptist, the Presbyterians, maybe the Methodist, depending on what you know, Senate you follow your find yourself into, I will not include Pentecostal charismatic or non-denominational churches, even though it's funny because we would associate non-denominationals as being like soft Baptists in most cases, but we're not going to exclude those or we're not going to include those into this particular category. Um, but there was a big rift that happened in 1529 between Luther and your work Zwingli. And, uh, this was a big thing that really, in, in, in by and large, uh, splintered, in my opinion, the church. <clears throat> and it, it really is, uh, it's sad because Zwingli was a rationalist. He was a humanist. Uh, he, he really looked for a logical explanation to the scripture. He didn't look for things that uh, were, you know, he didn't care for the mysteries. He wanted to solve the mysteries. And so... We, we get this, um, this big uh, debate, if you would, in Mar- Marburg, Germany, and this is also called the Marburg Caliquay, and so you can go and in, in read up on this, but we will be kind of examining um, this major split. So Zwingli is a Swedish uh, theologian, and... Uh, and I'm just going to kind of read some of these notes that I've got up here. Uh, it says at the university of Basel, Zwingli was trained in theological systems of Thomas Aquinas in which he remained even as a reformer, the theomist of whom revelation can never contradict reason. This would be an important difference between him and Luther. And Zwingli was also heavily influenced by the Dutch humanist Erasmus, which had the rationalistic approach to scripture. So pay careful attention to that. This is where we differ from basically everybody else because everybody else picks up on Zwingli and, and pulls pieces. Even the non-denominationals will pull pieces and elements from it and, and they will do so in two categories. And we'll talk about those categories um, shortly. So they have uh, actually, you know what, I, before we really get into the meat of this, I want to, I'm going to, I'll, I'll highlight them now because I'll probably forget the, the three categories of the Lord's supper is, well, there's technically four. Uh, the Roman Catholic, which is the bread and wine change into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Lutheran view is we believe Christ is present in and under the bread and wine, and we can't ex- we don't explain why how that's possible. We simply say Scripture says it. We believe it. Uh, then the uh, Calvin comes in and says, you know, it's more of a <clears throat> spiritual representation. And, and Zwingli would, would pair on this a little bit, uh, that, you know, Jesus is spiritually present. He's just not bodily present. And then 
there's the other group, which is Jesus is not present at all. And, and, and it's just something that we do to be reminded of something, but there's no, there's no spiritual presence. There's no bodily presence. Christ is absent from this entirely. And so that really is more of a non-denominational big box church that if they do the Lord's supper, in fact, last night at my Bible study for my church, uh, I made a comment that if you go to any large mega church, you're going to find a few faults. One, you're not going to find the absolution confession. Uh, two, you won't find any of the creeds recited. Three, you won't have the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Prayer recited. And four, they'll generally have a low view of the sacraments. And two, the people who are uh, avid attenders of my church uh, said that when they were on vacation, they went to a big box church. And, and he's like, and and he's like, yeah, we experienced all four of them. And you know, and that's, that's the tragedy of the church. No creeds, no Lord's prayer, no absolution and confession. And the, and the sacraments are viewed to be merely symbolic remembering tools. They're not, they don't have any sort of importance or value. And I even had, you know, and I've said it on numerous episodes of my conversations with people on the internets. Um, you know, when I had a, I had a talk with a particular reformed Baptist, uh, on one of my posts and you know, it, it, to me, it's like, I, I see there's, there's a very, very, very fine dusty line of, of agreement in some of the areas, but then they want to pull away and say that that can't possibly mean that. And then they will go on to say, well, our interpretation is false and we don't read scripture in that manner and you shouldn't. And, but you know, it just gets, it, it's messy and they get so angry and hung up on the fact of what the sacraments do and they, they, they want to balk at having any sort of power in them because that just would be, you know, Oh, that's just impossible, right? They can't possibly have any sort of uh, promise in them. So, uh, Zwingli holds to this, that revelation and reason cannot contradict. Luther understands that God's revelation in Holy Scripture often contradicts human reason. Virgin birth, resurrection, return in sky shattering, just three major instances. Um, Adam and Eve created from dust and a rib, you know, uh, the flood, just things that just don't seem to fit in our understanding. Luther was indeed well trained in philosophy, but he takes his stand squarely on the on the words of God. This means that when God's revelation contradict human philo- philosophical understanding, Luther doesn't try to reconcile the two. He simply lets the word of God stand as it is. That is a crucial understanding to this debate because when we, when we start to unpack these major differences, it, it is fundamental to, for us to see how are we using logic and philosophy against or with God's word and Zwingli will essentially push it against God's word because he's going to be changing definitions and words. And so it is, it's incredibly saddening to me, uh, that we have allowed, you know, the rationalist and the humanist and the philosophical, uh, expertise to run amok over the church. And in doing so, we, we lose, the height of God's word, you know, and look, you know, I'll be the first to say, and and as many will, Luther wasn't far from a perfect person. 
He had numerous flaws. And in those flaws, you know, he was an angry man. He liked his beer. You know, he sinned just like everybody else does. Everybody has flaws. You know, so, you know, for any Lutheran that goes to, to actually goes back to Luther, we never tout him to be any sort of a perfect man. We know he's a sinner. He knew he was a sinner. But he holds God's word in such a manner that isn't done, in my opinion, by many others in the Reformation. Because, see, Luther would argue <clears throat> the text says is. And this is what he's arguing here. Uh, Matthew 26, verses 26 through 29. This is what is written in Matthew. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This is the blood of my of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you that I will not eat or I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day that I drink of it with you in my father's kingdom. So Luther hammers on verse 26. He says, Jesus says, take and eat. This is my body. And then he goes on to say, this is my blood for this is my blood of the new covenant. Uh, some translations just have of the covenant. Um, in fact, the ESV has of the, of the covenant. And I think some of the older ones are new covenant, uh, better translation of the word covenant in this is actually Testament. And that's an interesting thing we might talk about on this, this particular series because, um, it shows the, a little bit different understanding. It's not necessarily covenant because it's not an agreement between two people. Jesus isn't signing anything and in, in having the apostles agree upon something. Like if we were to go back to Genesis and we see God making covenants with Abraham and so on through the line, there were always, you know, you do these and you'll be rewarded type aspects. But what we're getting here in the institution is a promise and more importantly, what we're getting is really the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And this is what he's telling his apostles. This is the promise given to you. Take this and go into the world. And it's not changeable. You can't change these words. But here's what we get with Zwingli. Him and his colleagues argue that the bread and wine only signify or represent Jesus's body and blood which they argued were not capable of being at the right hand of God of the Father in heaven and in the bread and wine at the altar at the same time. Because for Zwingli, Revelation cannot contradict reason. He had his argument for the bread representing Jesus' body from the passages of Scripture other than those directly connected to Jesus' uh, institution of the Lord's Supper, especially in John chapter 6. Luther and his colleagues, on the other hand, argued that the words of Jesus with which he instituted the Lord's Supper clearly teach that the bread received in uh, into the mouth of those who eat it is not signifies nor represents the body of Christ. For Luther, Christ's words must stand as they are revealed to us in Scripture. Is cannot mean something else. This incident not only ended, was not the end of the Calicoi by any means. The discussions continue on. However, it serves as an excellent picture of how the debate plays out. No matter where Zwingli took the discussion, Luther returned to the words of Jesus, this is my body. Luther insisted that Zwingli prove that is must mean signifies, which the Swiss reformer could not do. Because of his failure to come to an agreement in the presence of Christ in the Holy Supper, 
the unity that Philip had hoped for, Philip Melanchthon had hoped for, did not marginalize, uh, materialize. Some might view this as a political failure. However, uh, Marburg was anything but a failure, for the truth of Scripture was confessed over and against error. And the words of Christ still stand today. And so I really want to uh, hammer this just out to a T because with Zwingli, you know, being a rationalist, being a humanist, being somebody that revelation cannot contradict human reason, that really just, that really throws a big wrench in understanding all of scripture because there are so many things that we just cannot possibly explain logically, you know, and, and the talking donkey, how do you get a talking donkey? How do you have a virgin birth? All of these things just seem to go against human logic because if we take Zwingli's position, he would in fact be against scripture when it comes to the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, because it goes against human logic. Virgins just simply do not get pregnant and birth the son of God. It's just not happening. But here it does in the, you know, in the time of the gospels with Jesus coming on the scene and, and it just, you know, it blows our minds today to even think about that. We, we, we know that an angel appears to Mary and then appears to Joseph. And we see that the Holy spirit, uh, you know, comes down and impregnates Mary and she becomes, you know, one with child with the, with our Lord in her womb and carries him to full term, gives birth and raises him. And then he goes on to be, you know, a healer and a teacher and a, a prophet. And then he is crucified, died and raises as our savior and Lord. And it's just his entire life just doesn't logically make sense to us. It just doesn't logically make sense. And so Zwingli would essentially be opposed to all of this context if he keeps the same thing. Now he can obviously, and I think he does in some areas contradict himself because he's going to say, well, I could believe in the virgin birth, but I can't believe that Jesus is present in the uh, bread and wine. Uh, you know, I don't know a ton about Zwingli and his, you know, particular beliefs. I never really studied him. Uh, I never really agreed with much of his theology. Uh, but sadly, most of the modern church takes their, their cues from him. And from, from his like uh, train of thought that has descended through the ages. Um, in fact, you know, the, the Baptists are heavy in that the uh, outside of the reformed Presbyterians, which I know there's some who hold the sacraments to be very, very high in their, in their understanding. Um, but, uh, and those are going to be like confessional reformed Presbyterians. But most of those in the non-denominational Baptist circles, they're just going to simply balk at the idea and i've said that we're like eight times now on the show but they're gonna they're gonna stall at the idea that christ is actually present because they they will argue jesus can't possibly do it and and zwingli's argument was well he can't be in heaven at the right hand of god and here in the bread and wine well there's an interesting argument that we'll dig into that a little bit on another show um with you know jesus being there but also doing the will of god on earth throughout time and it's uh, it's interesting when we really start to understand kind of the nature of Christ, because I think Christology is crucial with this, because if, if you want to get to the to the meat and potatoes of it, when I had uh, Chad Bird 
on the show uh, a while back, we talked through the Old Testament, and I'd made the comment that uh, Jacob wrestling with God is probably one of my favorite passages in Genesis. And because we see the pre-incarnation of Christ here. In fact, Chad goes on and to talk about how Christ shows up in, in all sorts of scripture uh, in the Old Testament. He just He's just there. So anytime God speaks, uh, anytime we have um, you know, a presence of the Lord walking the earth, that is the pre-incarnation of uh, Jesus Christ. And so we have, uh, you know, some, some absolutely amazing pieces of scripture surrounding that, uh, those elements. And it's like, okay, so Christ can walk the earth pre-incarnated, right? Cause the incarnation is in Mary and he becomes human, the, f- you know, becomes flesh in normal human body, but pre-incarnation means he's of some capacity of human, you know, again, Genesis doesn't tell us any details. So all we are is speculating, but we have, we have this notion that Christ is, is, you know, walking the earth before his birth and that, that defies logic. It's just like every time we turn around, we look at scripture and it defies logic. It's funny how that happens. It's funny how God does not care about human reason. He doesn't. Everything he does goes against human reason because there's no reason why we should be saved. And yet he still pursues us. He still saves us. That is the beauty of scripture. And that is the beauty of the Lord's Supper because see, guess what? Jesus says, do this for the, in remembrance of me. But he says, this is my blood poured out, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so when we do the words of institution, we, we, uh, we take the forgiveness of sins and apply it both to the body and, and blood because it is crucial to understand that his body and his blood were needed for man to be forgiven. And so this is the promise nestled in this neat little sacrament that Christ comes to us in the bread and wine and gives us the assurance that our sins are forgiven. We, we get the assurance in our absolution and confession. We get it in the preaching. We get it in the Lord's Supper. We get it in our baptism. We are constantly reminded because we need to be constantly reminded. So we will conclude a little bit shorter of an episode as we kind of do on, the, on this particular series. But uh, I w- wanted to really hit on the uh, Marburg Colloquy. And um, I wanted to talk the big difference between Zwingli and Luther and why there is such a splinter. And, and it's unfortunate because I see this splintering take effect uh, across all of the churches. In fact, if you go to a non-denominational church today, you'll probably, if you're lucky, you'll, you'll see the Lord's Supper practiced. But it will be, you know, very generic and very watered down in a very low view of the sacrament itself. If you go to like a Lutheran church, a confessional Lutheran, not an ELCA, they're not Lutherans. If you go to a real Lutheran church, if you come to my church, you will experience the body and blood of Christ given for you. And as I noted in my sermon a couple weeks ago, I made this comment uh, on the Lord's Supper. I said, this promise is given for you. So when you come and partake in the bread and wine, pay attention to the words that I tell you. This is the body of Christ given for 
you. The promise of scripture is for you. It is encompasses everything that Christ does for you. That is the beauty of the Lord's Supper. So we have plenty of ways, plenty of length to go on this. We're going to just start scratching the surface this week, and uh, we will dig into uh, a few other aspects. Uh, we will look at uh, some other passages through the New Testament. There's not a ton of them, but we're going to look at some of them. We're going to actually we're going to look at all of them, um, but there's not a ton of them. So. We'll dig into those, and then we'll look at the early church fathers and continue on our journey. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great week. God bless. We'll see you back on Friday. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.